Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goobastom's dedicated anime podcast. I just got a message from Rick, our editor-in-chief, right? What are we started? I did as well. We all got a message from him. Two seconds in. I'm sorry, Rick. We're going to have to ignore you. We Yes, we are Anime Ichiban's dedicated anime podcast. You already said that. Did I now? Well, I'm sorry. Rick distracted me. We are back after quite a while. It's been... a Apparently about seven weeks since we had the original crew together, we uh, had a special Final Fantasy episode last time, and now we're all back in one big happy family, right? Yeah. We're a happy family. Yeah, we're pretty happy. Right. We're in the midst of lockdown. We're socially distanced. We're isolated. How is your hair treating you guys? Have you been able to get a haircut or are you just growing it out? I'm I'm just growing growing mine. I'm just going to leave it. I'm just this yeah, is I, the longest it's been, I think, ever. Yeah, I wear my hair back. Uh, I, I tie it back now, but I think because unlike last time when I had my hair this long, I don't weigh over 300 pounds, so I don't look like a thumb when I pull my hair back. A thumb? Yeah, because I had like so much neck fat back when my hair was this long. <laughs> so when I'd pull it back, yeah, I just looked I'd like I'd never a, a heard thumb. that that analogy before okay that's interesting yeah my uh my hair has never been this long either it was really unfortunate because when the lockdown began was right about the time the length of hair when i was looking for a haircut and so it was already long to begin with and now mm. it began it's just like oh boy it's for the first time ever i can feel like bouncing out of my head nice. when i walk around sometimes and you can i have hate a friend it. just shave it down that's what no, my, I, one of my I, friends I, did yeah i've had a few friends i've just shaved it because it'll grow back. But at this point, I just want to grow it out as far as I can and see what it's like because no one's going to blame you. Yeah, no one can judge you at this point. So just like embrace it and go for it. Exactly. Mm. But yeah, lockdown life continues to be a thing, but we're making the best of it. Harry, how's it been going for you? What have you been watching lately? Uh, for me recently, uh, it's been all right. I've, I've, I've hit a point where all the days are blending into one. Um, You're working so- from home, I imagine? Well, actually, I've not been working at all because uh, I normally do like uh, school teaching and education related stuff. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, all of the services are pretty much shut down. So I did offer to do like Zoom sessions and Skype sessions, but uh, it didn't go ahead. So mm-hmm. I've just been kind of getting by, not working and just trying to live on savings. I'm fortunate because I live with my mum and dad right now. So I don't have too many outgoing expenses. But, um, but yeah, it's just a weird time and, and all we can do is see what happens going forward. But uh, exactly. yeah, I, I started lockdown being really productive and recently I've just found it's really taken a hit. And like, yeah, it, it, I, get, I definitely yeah. feel that it, it's there are some times where it's real hard for me to get motivated to do yeah. anything. Uh, and it's just kind of like I keep using that term, but just kind of brain lock where you just there's no reason why you well, there is a reason, but you, it's really hard to get over that slump. Mm. Well, it, I, it's because I would say. Uh, since there isn't that like hard definition of okay, I'm out at work now, and then here I'm back home. Uh, the, like every, everything is at home. It's hard for you to like parse out that time. So you'll get like at least from from my end, right? I'll have like bursts of productivity, but then I forget that I should probably give myself a break. <laughs> Right, because uh, it's easy to just kind of like get into that mindset and then like kind of burn yourself out for a bit. Mm. Yeah, in my case, I'm still going into work every day because I'm in biotech and that's oh such a business. Yeah. yeah, and it's more stressful than it was before, just given the fact that we never know what the what's 
what our industry is going to be like the next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that regard, I go into work and I'm being really productive while I'm there, but it's more of a way to distract myself from things. And then when I get home, I'm feeling mentally and physically exhausted from kind of like winding myself up like that constantly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like we always have to be productive. Sometimes we can just sit back and watch some anime. We watch anime and play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And play Final Fantasy VII, which I know has been exactly. like a big one for You have been doing both of those, Harry, I take it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently, I think I'm on chapter 14, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've not so been it's playing the, like, it. like the last like, open-ended chapter, I think. Yeah, I think I'm getting towards the end. Uh, I like it, but I don't love it, which is like... That's, yeah, that's, I, that's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, my thoughts playing it is... I'm always thinking this is pretty enjoyable. This is quite fun. And as I find, as you as you go later on, you get more material and more weapons. Obviously, it does become more engaging because there's more options for combat. But I'm constantly thinking this could have been fucking outrageously good. But instead, mm. it's like, it's it's good. But it's, I, I've been thinking about what I would have loved to have seen. And something I loved about Final Fantasy XV is how there's a real element of physicality to everything. Where there is this real charm to just like getting in your car and going on a road trip. And I almost wish that there'd been like an open Midgar where you could go to the train station, get on the train and like take the train to a different sector in Midgar. And whilst you're sat on the train, you're talking to NPCs and you actually like see the various districts go by and you can go to different areas of Midgar on a whim in a sort of open world. And maybe while you're Mm -hmm. on the train, you're actually exploring this. And I kind of wanted that. I wanted a bigger element of like openness and physicality to everything. Instead, it just feels like a sort of linear theme park like a theme park it feels almost like final fantasy 13 which i know people really hate i personally don't think the final fantasy 13 trilogy is that bad but i know people really rag on it and and stuff and i'm thinking well this feels very much out of final fantasy 13's playbook where it is very linear and it is very kind of hallway orientated and as fun as it is at its core i just feel like it could have been really ambitious and given what it was it should have been more ambitious and more daring at times of its design mm-hmm. and i won't go into it too much because i've already given we've already given an hour and a half worth of yeah. thoughts on the last episode <laughs> but uh yeah I, I can definitely see that complaint one of the things that it's you have to keep in mind though is because this is a remake of the original game and the original game wasn't necessarily that open at this point mm, either yeah. um and the second point is well this isn't a point again but in my mind linearity doesn't necessarily mean something's bad to me if it means that you get pushed to the next story point without any sort of um, unnecessary fluff with like deliberate pacing, then I don't mind the linearity. And I really appreciate in FF7 how those story beats were landing at a very consistent pace yeah. and it never fell into sort of a lull to me. Mm. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think like uh, linearity can work. And um, one of my favorite games ever is Resident Evil 4. And that game's purely linear. So like linearity isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think it's more so that there are times with Final Fantasy VII Remake where I just feel bored. I I feel Mm. like some of the content is filler, it's fluff, and it doesn't feel particularly engaging. And that's kind of where I'm thinking, hmm, maybe the linearity doesn't work as well as it could have done. Maybe at times... I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the linearity. I would argue that it's really just... And granted, I haven't, like, still finished it. I kind of dropped it because... (laughs) I wasn't super engaged in it, Um, but I I would argue that a large problem, at least for me, is that there isn't 
that great of a job with the world building. It looks gorgeous. It looks fantastic. And there are some really cool ideas there. But it's all very surface level and very flashy. So I don't really have a reason to get that engaged. You didn't appreciate all the NPCs talking about various different things about the lives and how they live in the slums? Not really, because the way it's presented is very MMO. It's like, oh, like, I don't really, like, have a reason to care about them because of the way that, like, I'm getting to know about them. No, no, no. I don't mean the quest NPCs. I just mean, like, the muck NPCs that you hear, like, the Walla Walla chatter as you're walking yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think that's particularly good presentation okay. in world building. I kind of, I do kind of see where you're coming from, though, Matt. I do think there is some really good world building. I think uh, the whole... Uh, Don Cortelio or whatever his name is. I can't, I can't. Corneo. Corneo, that's it, yeah. I knew it was something like that. Um, I think the whole mission with him, it, it feels like they've built on so much of what that is. And again, visiting like Aerith's house and stuff. And every story beat feels like it's been expanded on so much more. And that's really, really cool. I really appreciate that. To actually see these PlayStation 1 environments fully realized in a 3D space like this, it feels really, really cool. Because it's like, wow, I, I never really knew that this is how it looked. So I think the, the kind of uh, expansion and all those initial points is really good. I always just want more. I always just feel like this is great, but I want more. I want it to absolutely amaze me. Whereas what it's doing instead is being like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's some really cool world building, some really cool expansion. But it's not blowing me away. And mm-hmm. But then you could argue maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe that's not the point. Uh, I do think the second and the third entries will be better because I do think it'll be much more open, obviously, given the original and that the original is much more Let's open see. at that point. Mm, well, mm, mm, well, mm, Matt, mm, Matt, we'll see. Finish the game first. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but no, I do like it. I w- yeah, I really wish we had one of you on the last episode so we had like a dissenting opinion. <laughs> I that would have been interesting. I ha- Although Renan started playing some criticisms. Time. I hadn't started playing it last time, so that's why right. I was still finishing yeah. it. It wouldn't, like, I have my issues with it, but it wouldn't be fair since I haven't, like, finished the game and seen all of it. It's just, yeah. it hasn't done enough to keep me invested, especially with all of the, like, yeah, I don't like the story at all. What, what chapter? <laughs> and you're coming, and that's you coming from it? someone who has played the original. I have right played now. the original Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so. Disclaimer, I really like the characters. I don't like what the story does. So, Okay, I'm, I'm going to give a very hot take here. Granted, I've not played every Final Fantasy game, so I might be wrong. But I've played quite a lot of Final Fantasy games. I don't think there's ever been a Final Fantasy game with a genuinely great story. That might be controversial 12. to say. I played a chunk of 12, and I wasn't particularly 12 and invested. Tactics. Well, Tactics is a spin-off game, but I, I, I can agree with you somewhat on the mainline games um i'd say they're almost overwhelmingly pretty okay mm. yeah i would, I, I, I would, I would go, say I would for go final fantasy for 12 and 9 final fantasy games they have more i feel like personal character driven moments that stick out to people for example the end the very final scene of ff15 will always forever like stick in my mind as yeah. like one of the most memorable scenes of video games of all time but the story overall it was eh, it was yeah, and that's the problem. The, the, the best kind mo- of conflate the two. The, the best moments mm-hmm. in fifteen were just like Ignis and Prompto and Gladio, like character moments relating to those three. Noctis was a terrible protagonist. So I thought he was so bland and uninteresting, which is weird because his party was really, really likable and interesting. 
Um, but no, I, I think I, where the characters were mostly really strong, the story was really flat. But, so uh, that's kind yeah. of the, I guess, like the issue that I'm running into right now with, I'm still playing through Royal because that actually got my attention way more. I was about to say, so yes. what has been engaging your attention recently, <laughs> Kyle? Uh, so what is really interesting with Royal is that I still really don't like the base game story. I hate all of the original palaces, most of them. Like, I think Shido's just a pile of shit, um, and not in the way that the game wants me to feel like he's a pile of shit. But all of Royal's content is really good because it's character-driven plot, which you don't really get in the original games. And it's kind of interspersed here and there throughout the original game until you get to the, exactly yeah yeah so the I'm, very I'm, end. I'm now like getting to the point where it's uh, getting into the third semester and shifting over from the original game and it's like firing on all cylinders now mm-hmm. I uh, um, to the point where it feels like an older persona game so I I kind of agree but kind of don't because I love the original game story I love the original game's characters so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still a big fan of that but I did think the the new content in Royal was like really good but especially think, for you going through the base game for what the third or fourth third time, time. <laughs> this is the thing so i wrote about this in my review i love the new content and i love the third semester but you have to play for 100 hours before you get to it and it's really irritating to buy this game for like 60 dollars and to have to then invest reinvest 100 hours just to get to the new content not only that if you don't max out certain confidants you don't get the new content so you could yeah. potentially play through this and <laughs> not max out certain confidants and like miss out on all that. It, it's not that hard to miss, but I can see how if like you're not paying attention, it's like easy to kind of slip up. It does. But, it is yeah, rather a, generous in terms lot, of the time it gives you. There's a lot of confidants though, and it could be very easy to think I'm That's not going to max out. And say it's character. it's someone's first Persona game, they exactly. might not pick up on those cues. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, it's really kind of insulting to consumers to say, "Hey, you've paid all this money for all this new content, but you might miss out on it." It's like even and, yeah, that's that money. To me, that's a real <laughs> middle finger to consumers. It's it's like. Look, you've already taken the piss by like making us pay an extra $60 on top of the original $60 we spent on the original game years ago. So now you've It's funny. I'm I'm now getting to the point where I'm just like fast forwarding through all of the dialogue because I'm like, I don't care about any of this. I don't care about Psy. (laughs) So, So yeah. yeah, And that's the reason why I didn't pick up Royal is because I just couldn't. It's it's too soon. I just couldn't bring myself to go through the original again. I think Xenoblade Definitive, on the other hand, coming out at the end of this month. It's been 10 years since I played the original of that. That's going to be like playing through it for the first time again. It's next, it's uh, this coming Friday in six days. I got the collector's edition pre-order. So yeah, that's the difference is that like Persona 5 is still too fresh in my mind and I just couldn't really Mm. take that die. But yeah, Xenoblade, that's, that, that, and plus it's going to be in completely revamped graphics. Can't wait for that. Mm. I only played the original like midway through. Again, I'm going to sound like the most cynical person ever. I've never been big into the Xenoblade games. Uh, I really like. Granted, there's not that many of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I really liked Xenoblade X when I played that on Wii U. I thought that was actually like really interesting, but I was disappointed by two and kind of the first one on the Wii. That said, it was years ago when I played it, so I might check it out again sometime. Um, mm-hmm. And this one will have a lot of quality of life and improvements as well. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, cool. We're all playing some game, or will be playing some games. I just finished up Trails from Zero, but I'm not going to go into that. If you haven't played any of the Trails games, you should. (laughs) 
All righty, let's get in some news then. We have quite a lot to go over because it's been a while, but we're not going to go over everything. But something that's big that's happened, we don't get a uh, new Inuyasha announcement all that often, I do was we? so ecstatic when I saw that. So, Kyle, I assume you have either read or watched the original Inuyasha. I, I actually haven't read it. Uh, no, I watched it because they would air it all, all the time growing up on Toonami and Adult Swim. Uh, so that was very much a, a childhood show for me. Right. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Inuyasha has had a brand new anime announcement Anime announcement announced. Anime project announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called Yashahime Princess Half Demon, and it is a direct sequel to the original Inuyasha, and it follows the daughters of uh, Seshomaru and Inuyasha themselves. And so the daughters' names are Setsuna and Moroha, and it's once again going to be this uh, real-world, fantasy Shinto world, intermixing kind of story. But it is following the successors to the original characters that had 167 episodes of original anime plus 26 episodes of a final act. It was going on a long time. And so and four with, movies and four movies. So with all that said, <laughs> uh, Kyle, as someone who has consumed that content, did the story feel complete after all of that to you? Uh, mm, yes. Did it feel satisfying? Uh, I It's hard for me to say because I'm pretty sure they pumped in a lot of filler in the anime, as anime adaptations tend to do, especially like shonen stuff like that. I, I would say it was satisfying leaving the characters where they were, um, knowing that everything kind of got tied up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it will be nice to, to revisit the world and revisit the story. But it, it was complete enough to where you weren't... Dis- you didn't think there would be more oh yeah no, no. It, it, I, it was complete enough to where i was like all right that's Yasha. i am done and so this, this announcement later, truly is a blind side then yeah yeah like nobody was expecting this at right. all it, i i i haven't even watched i was the same boat as you where i'd see an episode here and there in tsunami when i was younger but i haven't sat down and watched the entirety of the series and this announcement definitely gets me wanting to watch the entirety of the series in preparation for it mm-hmm. which Speaking of, there is no uh, solid release date announced for this series yet. My guess is that it's probably not going to happen this year, given everything being delayed. But it will come eventually. Some of some of the staff on board for this is uh, Teru Sato, who is the original episode director of Inuasha. He's coming back. Uh, Katsuyuki Sumisawa is in charge of the script. And he also did the script for Inuyasha and Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. And of course, the well-renowned Rumiko Takahashi is the main character designer. And I just want to take a, t- a moment to talk about uh, Takashi-sensei herself as well. This is as good an example uh, time as any about how much of an impact she has had on the manga industry. She is hands down the most prominent and important female figure in the manga industry, I would say. Is that something you would agree on, you two? Yes, uh, in terms of impact. I'm, I'm not familiar with <laughs> <laughs> with Adam. Oh boy. Um, okay, so I'm going to list off some uh, series for you here. And I, I might so, be. I've just not heard of her. <laughs> so uh, she had her first series is Urusa Yatsura, uh, then followed by Mason Itoku, Itoku uh, Mermaid Tears, Rama One Half, Inuyasha, uh, Renne, and Mao. 
Did any of those ring a bell for you? They do. Of course. They do not. I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> okay. So, but I'm I, sure I, I she's would, very deeply important. And I, I would probably agree that she's had like an insane amount of influence. I don't know if she's my favorite author, let alone like favorite female author. That'd probably go to Hiroma right. Arakawa. But in terms of like impact, impact uh, yeah, yeah, she is like over the past 20, 30 years, she has impacted the industry like no other person. Right. So to give a little more background, she is 62 years old now. She was born October 10th, 1957. She is one of two women to win the Grand Prix de la Ville de Andalou award oh, it's some you. sort of french comic award that sounds uh, cool. <laughs> so yes one of it's a lifetime award one of two women one of two japanese people and one of 10 non-french people <laughs> to win the award because it is a french reward mm. she hit some influences around uh not just manga but also western media so brian lee brian lee uh O'Malley. O'Malley? yeah oh, okay. uh he uh she was an influence to him for the scott pilgrim comic Meanwhile, uh, Matt Bozan of uh, Way Forward, Rama One Half was an influence for him for the Shantae video game series. And so you can see uh, Rumiko Takahashi's mm. influence in many different mediums and outlets beyond just I the can, manga I can confirm well. I'm a huge Shantae fan. So there, that is my connection to her now. <laughs> I love right. Shantae, so yeah. <laughs> there we go. I, I imagine the influence there is because in Rama One Half, the, the big premise is that people fall in these Chinese hot springs and that curses them to where if they touch cold water, they'll transform into the thing that the spring is associated with. And then if they touch hot water, they'll change back. So the main character, Ranma, if he gets splashed in cold water, he turns into a girl. Mm. His dad turns into a panda. His rival turns into a pig. His fiance turns into a cat and so on and so forth. So that's the whole shtick of Ranma and half. So I imagine that sort of shape-shifting idea, idea is, is what influenced yeah. Shantae as well. And Rama One Half is extremely important to me specifically because that was my gateway anime. Oh, that was yours. The, yes, that was the anime that got me into anime, essentially. I watched every single last bit of it. Fun fact is that the main character, Ranma, he had two English dub voice actors. And I can't remember if it was the first or second, but one of them was the same actor as Inuyasha. And oh, I, that kept messing me up because... I had seen some Inuyasha before going to Ron One One Half, but again, like it was just another show on TV. It wasn't something I actively mm-hmm. followed. So that kept tripping me up whenever I heard his voice on Ron One. I'm like, wait, no, that's Inuyasha. And it was very weird for me. But yes, Ron One One Half was the first anime that I watched knowing that this is something different. This isn't the same as Western cartoons. This doesn't come from America. This comes from Japan. And that's kind of what kicked me off into this whole rabbit hole of degeneracy that I find myself in. 10 or so, so years blame, later. You can blame Rumiko Takahashi for you getting exactly. the gotcha. So she's definitely my most important manga <laughs> author because <laughs> I wouldn't be the weeb I am today without her. Uh, what What would you say is, uh, have you consumed any of her works besides Inuyasha, Kyle? Uh, Urusei Yatsura and Ranma uh, are mm-hmm. the two that like, because everything else is like, I, I would say a little more shoujo-y. Mm-hmm. Um, Urusei Yatsura and Rana are like the most approachable as like a prepubescent boy. Right. I would definitely agree with that. And of those three, which one was your favorite? Uh, I spent the most time with Inuyasha. I would say that Ron was probably more fun. Um, just because Rana does a really good job with a visual comedy. 
which you yeah. don't really get in Inuyasha. Inuyasha is a bit agree. more of a straightforward shonen story. Yeah, it has more of a serious story to it. Ranma one half is pretty much slapstick the whole way through. Yeah, Ranma's Ranma one half is fucking hilarious. Yeah, I've been wanting to rewatch just random episodes of it for a long time. I really need to do that. So maybe I'll do that instead of watching the original Inuyasha. There you go. <laughs> and hopefully maybe there's going to be a sequel to that like 10 years from now. I hope. I <laughs> hope. Because the whole, at least Inuyasha full, got fully animated. Ranma one half hasn't been fully animated. That's what I've heard too. And even with the manga, it's not like super satisfying it kind of ends on a hmm what's gonna yeah, happen kind exactly of so there is room for sequel in that mm-hmm. but uh the flip side to manga is the fan-made side of manga also known as doujin and you can't have doujin without kamaket except we did go without kamaket summer kamaket this year because obviously there's a global pandemic it's happening is it happen in august it would have happened, oh, but well, it was canceled yes. way ahead of time. Exactly. Oh, okay. and so, oh good, good, because they're actually responsible. Right. <laughs> Unlike PAX, so, which is still... Anyways, that's my whole Comiket would have happened in August, but it was canceled way, way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there are a lot of doujin artists that depend on this, and also the printing industry in Japan also depends on Comiket for a lot of its business as well. So this would have had a massive impact if it just didn't happen at all. So instead, we had the Air Comiket livestream, which happened uh, May 5th through May 8th just recently. And it was funded once again through the Comiket catalogs that are normally distributed that people buy as sort of a pseudo entry ticket for Comiket. And it performed very well. It got 443,357 views over the four days, which approaches the uh, 750,000 people that came in person for the winter Comiket. Mm-hmm. And it's showing the the strength of fortitude that these creators are have to come together and support their industry in these changing times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned how the printing industry also depends on this event, and there is an interview with someone from the industry in the NHK paper that mentions how uh, printing has already been on the decline. And so when Comiket was canceled, they were all in despair, essentially. And so they were very grateful for this happen, this movement to happen and that the orders have been coming in daily and they have show no signs of fizzling out, even more so than when Comiket happens normally because mm-hmm. it's more accessible now. So this begs the question then, and I think we're asking the question for a lot of big events now, things like E3, does this open the door for Comiket for an international digital presence? Oh my god! I would hope. So, so yeah. do you mean like Comiket specifically becoming like virtual and digital, or, or do you just mean like events not, in general? Because not maybe not entirely one hundred percent digital, but maybe once they do reopen and they have their own uh, event again, but they also have this digital aspect of it as well. Yeah, that would open it up to an international audience. I think. I think like this whole pandemic is going to show every industry ever that it can, that there is like a kind of digital presence it could have. Um, and especially with, with things like E3 and any kind of like uh, big, like physical in-person uh, expo, it's just going to show that like, there's a huge demand for people doing this online. I think anyway. Mm-hmm. And Comiket is also very notorious for its very long lines and packed show floor space yeah and so if you can just peruse the comics at, at your leisure online without having to deal with all that then that might be a plus but at the same time you do lose out on that 
and that's the case for any of these uh, digital events, but you'll lose out on that personal touch of it. The authors meeting the people excited to buy their works, mm -hmm. seeing the fruits of their labor in person, that feeling of selling out of the books that you've brought on site that not many people can uh, experience. Mm -hmm. You don't get that kind of experience in a digital format because you just print to order. Right, or, but like yeah. Harry said, I think what this is showing is that there are, alt like, it's not one or the other necessarily. It's right. like, a physical expo like that can support a digital like medium as well. Uh, so for comic ed specifically, like what's really been annoying as a fan in the U S who would like to get some stuff like from comic ed is that you'd have to buy like secondhand or like mm -hmm. find somebody to buy for you and then have it shipped over to you. Uh, and there's like all of the, the upcharges on that as well. Right. So if they were to have some way, like say for the future, when it opens up again, they still have the physical in-person expo, but at the same time, like offering an international online catalog for people who physically can't be there. That's like, I, I don't see why that wouldn't just be like a net positive for them mm -hmm. to have. It's kind right, of like I, what, what you see in the video game industry right now, especially with all of these like, um, like the, the big three of like Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft doing direct presentations now instead of forcing Oh, hey, here's a Paper Mario announcement just out yeah, of nowhere. I was going to say, like, well, speaking, speaking of that, like do you think E3 is going to fully shut down? Oh, E3 dying. E3 yeah. is totally going to shut down. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about fully shut down yet, but if it does come back, it's definitely going to be a last gasp. I think, mm. and then maybe the following year. I think they'll give it one last-ditch desperate effort. It's definitely but on Comic the decline. Definitely not gonna, yeah, but yeah. It, it was already on the decline before all this, and mm. this is just kind of the nail in the coffin. Comic was absolutely not on the decline, though, so it will be making a return. Do you think we will, because it, they are still monitoring the situation for winter, do you think winter Comic will happen? Um, I don't think we'll be back to normal properly until next year. At the earliest. I agree with that. Yeah. I like, agree with that. Like, I, I think I any sort of big person events aren't going to happen. I think it's, fun it's honestly been really stuff. frustrating uh, to see, at least, like, especially with like my state governor who keeps pushing back quarantine deadlines um, and just keeps moving the goalposts. And it's like, we're really not going to be out of here until a vaccine is developed. And mm -hmm. that's like going to not happen for a while. Mm -hmm. But people are getting very antsy. So I, yeah, I don't think we'll be back to normal until you know, like Harry said, next right. year at the earliest. So in, th in that regard, I think uh, Comic 99, that's this one, upcoming winter one, will be very interesting to see how they further refine this formula. Mm -hmm. I really do hope, though, that because the Comic next summer's Comic will be Comic 100. And obviously that's a huge mm -hmm. milestone. So I, I do hope that they can return to a live venue and do a blowout celebration in some shape or regard, because that would be... A massive shame. If Everybody get in that. your cars and go to Big Eye. Big Eye what? <laughs> that, that's where it's located, right? Big Eye, Big Sight? I forget what it's... Uh, Mekahari Mese, which is the Japanese name. I forget what the English word for it, name is for it is. Uh, big Sight, yeah. Big Sight, big there sight. you go. Yeah, it's called Big Eye in Steinsgate. That's why I got it mixed up. <laughs> Alrighty. So, we don't... We, normally, we don't cover anime announcements on the show, but... We not have not only one anime announcement, but the two anime announcements to go over Ooh. today. And that's because uh, the next collaboration between Key, Aniplex, and PA Works has been announced. And they are the ones responsible for uh, 
the Angel Beats anime that aired in 2010 and Charlotte that aired in 2015. And so it has been a five-year cycle. And so now it is 2020 and they have announced their newest anime series called The Day That I Became a God. And for those who aren't aware, Key is a very notorious visual novel company that How do you see is notorious? very notorious because they are very well known for making people cry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's very, funny. very well known. Uh, you might have no, uh, heard of a little known series called Clanad or uh, Canon or Air. Uh, all, all of these uh, visual novels are very prolific in the visual novel field, and they all have good to stellar anime adaptations. And so Angel Beats was a collaboration between Key, or more specifically, its writer Jun Maida, Aniplex, and PA Works to bring an anime original story to the forefront. And Angel Beats is fairly polarizing, I would say. I'm not sure if either, either of you have seen it. It's on the list. Okay. Uh, so I've yet to see, hear, meet anyone that is in the middle of it. It's either you love it or you hate it. And I was definitely in the love it camp. It's uh, definitely has that very token key formula of uh, a comedic first half followed by a tragic second half. Also known as the Shakespearean formula. <laughs> it works very well. And the revelations, that, the main complaint for the series from the other camp is that the ending feels very rushed. It felt like it should have been a 24 episode series rather than a 12 episode series but I felt that it got what it needed to get done properly and it hit the emotional highs that it needed to. Uh, Charlotte, on the other hand... I actually uh, saw Charlotte, believe it or not. You have seen Charlotte. Yeah, so what really? do you think about the ending of that, Harry? I, I'll be perfectly honest about Charlotte. I barely remember any of it because I found <laughs> it very forgettable and very bland mm -hmm. and very little of it stuck with me. I seem to remember there was a white-haired girl who was like a sort of love interest and the It was now a meme. The main character had to like go and do something at the end, and she said, "I'll wait <laughs> for you." I think, and that's all I remember. <laughs> I I honestly seem to remember it being a really boring series. That right? Didn't stick yeah. So me. Charlotte, Charlotte is not viewed upon as fondly as uh, Angel Beats. It's, and I can definitely, I'm definitely part of that camp. I would say I mm. I still enjoyed it to some degree, but was not memorable, as you said, Harry. It was definitely all over the place. It couldn't really decide on what kind of show it wanted to be. And then its ending is also very notoriously rushed. And it could, the last two episodes of that whole show could have been in a series in and of itself. And so with all that said, they are kind of reevaluating what is important for this new series, The Day I Became God. And uh, key creator uh, Jun Maida, he wrote that they are going to be returning to their roots tour to say to focus on telling an emotionally touching story without the more superficial elements like fight scenes and supernatural powers like in the previous mm. projects uh so yeah obviously charlotte involved uh espers people with uh psychic powers and angel beats the main premise is that all these kids live in the afterlife and they're kind of rebelling against the fact that they died an early death and so they can't die and so they do a whole bunch of stupid shit uh, that's kind of like over the top fight scenes, but the, that actually works and it's funny. Mm. It didn't work to the same degree in Charlotte. So they are kind of like bringing it back now, I think, to uh, their roots with Clanad and Canon. And that's really important because Clanad is probably one of the most well received, especially the second season, one of the most well received anime 
to date. And I think, Kyle, that's something that you resonate with as well, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. Cl- Clannad is a very important uh, series for me. That was, it wasn't my gateway show, but it was one of the ones that like really cemented the fact for me that like, yeah, no, I'm into anime. Right. It, it's, it's one of the ones that has a very, very clear and distinct message it's trying mm-hmm. to tell. It, it's, a, it's a very airtight story. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to go over the plot of this upcoming The Day I Became God, this synopsis is this. Hina one day awake, awoke as a god. She foresaw the end of the world. She chooses a lone young man who, as her companion, will spend his time with her until the very end. And that's all we know. <laughs> wow, that's already pretty rough from the synopsis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so a special prologue episode is going to air on Japanese TV Tomorrow, or is that today? Because Japan lives in the future. It's probably airing right this very moment, actually. Oh, so nice. it airs on Tokyo MX at, on May 24th well, course, at 8.30 p.m. the time this podcast time. is out, it will have already aired. Exactly. So, so if you haven't watched it, go check yeah. it out. <laughs> because other than this short synopsis, we v- know very little else about this other than, once again, PA Works is going to be the animation studio for it. And that's about it. So... This has a potential, hopefully, to be another highly impactful anime series from Key. It should also be noted that this project is in response to the declining visual novel industry in Japan. It's just not as popular and big as it was as it used to be. And so they are moving to trying to convert their emotional storytelling from a visual novel format to anime format or a game format because they're also coming out with an RPG called Heaven's Burns Red, but that's a 2021 project, so we won't hear about that for a while. Okay, you guys know what I want to be when I grow up? A porn god, A prostitute. I, I want to be oh. the very best. Like no one ever was. That no one ever was. Oh. At making porn. Are you going to catch them? <laughs> so uh, we're talking about Pokemon, and... This It's not the kind of Pokemon news you would expect because a Twitter user, and this is just a fun little uh, aside, Twitter user AzuraPKM1542 has, <laughs> has recently made a post of the most popular Pokemon tagged with the R18 tag on the oh. popular Japanese art site PixIV. Oh. <laughs> what is... Okay, I'm going to be a... a, a an idiot again what does this all mean what does the r18 r18 R- is adult only right i thought it might be that i just wanted to double check yes mm. it is rule 34 oh, as the youngsters I see, say i see and so pixiv is a very popular japanese uh, art sharing website is it pixiv so, i thought it was pixiv i've heard pixiv and pixiv like i'm not like sure 15 like years. i i use it interchangeably i, okay. I mm. but yeah so this list is as of may 4th <laughs> And they go all the way from the 1st to the 50th. And we're just going to play a quick little game. Of, what do you guys think is at the top? So, so, wait, this is... Gardevoir. This is the most commonly sexualized Pokemon, as I said. Yes. Uh, based on the name, Squirtle. Wow. It is actually, it is indeed Gardevoir. Kyle was I right. I fucking oh. knew it. Yeah. Which I'm surprised it wasn't Lopunny, because I feel like I'm always hearing oh, about Lopunny. Yeah, that's probably going to be like at least... Second or third up there? Uh, so what do you think is second then? Probably low punny. It is not low punny. Oh. What about you, Harry? Uh, 
I'm not sure. I, I'm only going to know like generation. What Pokemon into, would you want dig to into your furry ego? No, I'm only going to know like generation one Pokemon. I, I, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, All right, which of Gen One would you want to sexualize, Harry? It's a very easy question. <laughs> oh, I don't. Harry? I don't. I, I can't. I can't. Harry, <laughs> don't really want to sexualize anyone, but I, th- I think everyone has. Has pondered, but Pokemon aren't everyone's isn't pondered anyone. It's Pikachu at some point. So I guess I'll say Pikachu. so. Pikachu is number three. Oh, okay. Actually, oh, Lord. Which, poor Pikachu. Why would you ever lose poor little Pikachu? Number two is Lucario. Oh, that is unsurprising. Yes, and uh, number four is Eevee. Which again, why would you do that to poor little Eevee? Oh, Eevee. Okay. N- number five will surprise you because it definitely surprised me so what do you think would number five this is a gen 3 pokemon i'll give you that hint gen 3 so that's sapphire and ruby yes uh smeargle wait no that no. was a gen 2 um, that is gen 2 what who who is it who it do is people want to zangoose oh which oh. that just sounds painful oh. <laughs> Uh, do you Matt, do you, you know what's it? Because it's funny, oh. <laughs> and it tickles me. Where is uh, where's Porygon on this list? Porygon is <sighs> not on this list. Where's a uh, coffin? Coffin muck is he's not on this. He's list. got quite a few holes on him, hasn't he? Oh <laughs> my god! Where's um uh. I'm just trying to think of some others now. I mean, what about Ch- Charizard? They probably got all of the anthropomorphic ones or the ones that are like dog slash canine. Like, why do why do people <laughs> do this? Like, because people are because horny and people can draw. We, we don't kink Her- shame on the show. <laughs> like, furries have been around for a while now. But Pikachu. <laughs> like, like, Pikachu. Okay, Maybe. so they don't like it's not like a one to one. I mean, sure, there are like probably messed up people who will just take like a Pikachu as you know it. But what I'm sure happens is that they probably anthropomorphize it even more to make it look less like an animal and more like, I don't know, Pikachu with tits or something. <laughs> like long legs. That sounds like a music, an album cover. Pikachu, Pikachu with tits. With tits. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, each time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so some other notable ones on this list. Uh, Low Punny is actually number seven, which is lower mm. than I expected. Charizard number nine. Why? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is that, this is the Japanese why. public. That's I don't know. We, I always we've, forget we've, that we've, Japan we've, probably has a lot of furries too. And we've been reminded time and time again on this podcast just how different Japan's tastes are from. The Western culture sometimes. And specifically, what happens with like Western artists and what they go for. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then on a more uh, fluffy note, they also ranked the most uh, all ages posts for each Pokemon. And surprise, surprise, Pikachu is number one, Eevee okay. number two, Lucara number three, Gardevoir number four, Snivy is number five, surprisingly. The starter from fifth gen, black and white. Black and white, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. I would not expect that to be so high. I just um, remember when it was coming out, there was a bunch of Soul Eater memes with Snivy. That makes sense, yeah. Charizard is number seven. This is, Sil- this is, a, ni- this is a nicer list. This is a nice list. It, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Charizard is not, like, top five. Uh, let's see. Ch- no, no, Charizard with tits is top five. Nice. Yeah. No, Charizard 
with tits is still top 10. He's only number nine. Oh, right. Or she's only number nine. Oh, he's only number nine. <laughs> or Charizard gotta, with a giant penis. They can, they can identify as they this want. It's so good. This, this is true. We don't judge. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all. It's just a... Didn't, that you'd never think probably, to wonder about that. It's probably Pokemon sex rings. Thanks, thanks for bringing that to my life, Pokemon. Exactly. The more you know. You got to arm yourself with knowledge in this life. You never know what's going to come in handy. We're also going to arm ourselves with statistics. Right, hits us. So, right. Uh, last year... We, with statistics. And I didn't like any of those statistics. <laughs> well, I think you'll like these statistics more. Because we talked about this report last year. The Association of Japanese Animations, AGA, they report an annual uh, study about the trends of the anime industry in, uh, in Japan and the growth and recession of it. And the odd thing about this is, is that it's always one year behind. So last year, we covered the report for 2017. Oh, so like my taxes. Yeah. And uh, this year, they just published it. This, this report came out at the beginning of the month, uh, so May 1st, and it's for the year of 2018. So it's always a year behind, but these are the only like raw statistics we get for the industry uh, industry in Japan, which is very strange. strange. But anyways, uh, so some highlights for the year of 2018 is that for the first time since this stu study has started, since uh, it's been going on for 16 years, online streaming has overtaken home video now officially, mm. which has been in the making for a while. And again, you have to wonder what it's like now then, if that was back in 2018, mm. considering people are stuck inside. So they're probably watching a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. uh, so the internet, the uh, online streaming market increased by 10.2% over the last year. It is now 59 point, is worth 59.5 billion yen. Meanwhile, the home video market shrank by 23.3%. That is a huge decrease. Uh, and it is 58.7 billion yen. Meanwhile, TV production, the total amount of TV production minutes, so the amount of minutes anime has aired on TV, is 130,808 minutes, which is the second highest in history. But that is not including minutes of anime that were exclusive to a streaming platform like Netflix. So if you were to include those minutes, it would probably break the record for most number of minutes. On the flip side, however, there were less shows that aired in 2018 compared to the previous years. There were 332 shows compared to the 340 that aired in 2017. But in tw uh, there were more new shows that aired in 2018, being uh, 20, 235 of those shows were new compared to 230 that were new in 2017. The total market value for anime is 2.18 trillion yen. Oh, damn. That is a lot of zeros. That is a lot. <laughs> and that, that marks a 0.9% increase over uh, the previous year. And that is now six years in a row that the uh, anime industry has seen a growth. Meanwhile, it has grown both domestically and overseas. Uh, domestic. The cool thing about domestic is that it grew for the first time since 2014. So domestically, it was actually declining a little bit. But uh, this... For 2018, it grew for the first time again. Meanwhile, uh, over the overseas market has hit the 1 trillion yen mark for the first time as well. So people like anime. Yeah, it's rather popular. <laughs> and it's all because of our podcast. Exactly. We <laughs> spread the anime gospel. And so when Comic-Con inevitably goes international, 
there'll be all these Wii's willing to throw money at their screen, right, Kyle? <laughs> Maybe. We, we, need, we, we need a hit up Good Smile to see if they can make us Nendos. All of my figures have been delayed, unsurprisingly, and I'm very sad about that. My little cinnamon bun will never come to me. Oh. My little Nadeshko figure. But yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's much else to say about these statistics. It's just very, and again, like, I'm, it's very reaffirming. And I'm just so curious to see what this looks like for 2020 when we get this report two years from now. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I think, I think with the popularity of anime, like it's also sort of brought about the popularity of more like, like, like animation being seen, not just as like a children's medium as well. Um, mm-hmm. And like, this ever so slightly ties into like our later main topic whenever we get into that. So I'll be able to tie this mm-hmm. together. But um, I think it's really cool that like animation isn't just seen as like this Disney sort of children friendly thing now anymore. No disrespect to Disney, obviously. Um, right. I think it's cool that obviously it is seen as a more neutral medium that can case to right and graphics. I definitely find it easier to bring it up in casual conversation now than I did in the past. Like. There, there are still some times where I won't say that I watch it, depending on the person I'm meeting for the first time. But mm. I definitely am like, just like, yeah, I've watched anime. There's this show or here and this, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. And I don't feel like I'd be judged for any way. People accept it's just another form of entertainment, which is very important for uh, improving exposure. And of course, like the amount of anime that's been coming onto Netflix nowadays on big, big streaming sites mm. helps with that as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, like you go on Netflix and it's, it's promoted on like the front page. It's like it's like such a normalized mainstream thing now. Exactly. It, it's really weird for me too when there's like an article that says the release date of an anime coming out on Netflix, like brand new animal. There's a release date. It's like uh brand new animal coming out on Netflix June twenty eighth or something like that. Also, and like all my no- I, I, yeah, all my normie friends. But go ahead. I wanted to ask about brand new animal because yeah. I've not seen it yet and I'm excited. It's really good. Is it really good? Yeah, Kyle likes it. It's yeah, like I, I, yeah, I really like. That's, but yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm excited to. Anyway, so that, saying though, man. Yeah, so that news comes out, and us weebs have known about Brand New Animal for ages. Like we, and it's airing right now. And so, if we really wanted to, we could find means to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lot of the more normal folks, they see that article. It's like, oh wow, this looks really cool. Have you heard about this? I'm like, I've known about this for months. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, people, it generates ways when these announcements come out, which is. Interesting to I see. I still don't uh, agree with Netflix's distribution model. Oh, absolutely not. By holding absolutely it hostage. Not. But I do like that it is getting out to a wider audience because, right. yeah, something like Brand New Animal or even Beastars, it's like, okay, I feel like if I were to try to recommend that to people on my own, they would kind of look at me weird. But if you just, like, what's nice about Netflix is that, like, they'll show, like, they'll have the show there, right? And then they'll even preview it. So, like you just let the animation talk for itself. Yeah, being on Netflix is its own sort of seal of approval. And to your mm-hmm. point, Kyle, I, I I despise how it holds shows hostages. But what I've come to realize over the years that Netflix has been in the anime sphere now is that they aren't trying to capture the core anime audience. They are capturing the general no, no, and, and audience. I get it. Yeah. But it yeah. is kind of frustrating. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's frustrating I, like, for me. I would like to watch BNA legitimately. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, not that I'm admitting to not doing so, but you know, I'll let people draw their own conclusions. 
So, so do you right. mean that like Netflix has it so you can only stream on Netflix or like what do you mean exactly by holding Oh, as in because Brand New Animal is airing right now in Japan and normally we'd be able to watch an episode a week, Harry, mm. as they come out. But Netflix oh, holds onto it and they wait until it's completely done to release uh, it all at oh, once because yeah. of the binge mentality it's built yeah. up. Yeah. So you can't even u- really use like a VPN to watch it on like, in like Netflix Japan yeah. because they don't I've, have the subs I've, for I've it. I've tried recently because I think they've had Twelve episodes in Japan, which I think is the whole series. If I'm mm-hmm. so, so like right, because it, it aired seven through twelve all on the and, same. And day. then it said like, oh, it's all on Netflix in Japan. So it's like, oh, awesome, I watch it then, and I don't feel guilty doing that because I pay for a Netflix subscription. So it's like I I pay for this content anyway. I want to watch this, but wh- but did you understand what was happening because there were no subs? <laughs> uh, oh shit! Oh okay, there'd be no subs. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it, was, that's it didn't, so, it didn't like, work because there, there was a VPN blocker on there. But it's like right. it's, it's crazy because like BNA is like the first time in a while where I've had to use fan subs, which I used to do that because I was like they didn't have streaming services before. But like if there is no legitimate way for me to get content as a consumer through a method that I'm paying for, like all right, well I'm gonna get it because I want exactly it. yeah. And so I, that that's why I come to realize that Netflix doesn't care about our audience. Which is just cares. Yeah. Which it's fair. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Like, I, I get it. I and get I, it. I appreciate I appreciate what Netflix is doing to increase awareness of anime and kind of dispel the stigma it's had over the mm-hmm. years. I just really wish that it would conform to my ideals. <laughs> mm, yeah, but but to just to confirm, Harry, yes, this is probably my favorite trigger show now. Yeah, do you think it's, like, the best thing they've done since, like, Kill a Kill? Since, like, or Little Witch Academia, do you think? It's, 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 it's B-Stars by way of Kill a Kill. Mm. That's what it looks like, yeah. Um, in that it's, like, it, it takes its subject matter very seriously, and it is, like, a very, like, serious character-driven topic, but at the same time you have, like, like if you've seen like clips of the show, it gets like really fucking cartoony and crazy and out there. Which is exactly what I want from Trigger because that, that's yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, fanta- it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm really yeah. excited. To see and it, it doesn't jump. It doesn't jump the shark at the end too. That's also an important detail. Um, yeah, like even though like I love Killer Kill, it is a little bit weird at the end. I still think they kind of land it, but it, it they're, 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 it's not that bad. It's just it feels like it goes like a mile a minute. In, yeah, like, two episodes. Like, I think one of the reasons why like. Little Witch Academia is probably, like, the most consistent show from them. Like, mm. even though Killer Kill is my personal favorite, I think Little Witch Academia is a very, very, very close second because it, do- it doesn't, that. like, jump the shark at all with that. It feels very consistent. It's just very consistent and insecure. And then, la- like, yeah, like no, B-B-N-A, Matt whispered B-B-N-A. it a minute ago, but uh, Darling in the Franks, unfortunately. Uh, oh, my God. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I have very strong feelings about Franks. It's a shame because um, I, I think, like, a big chunk yeah. of Darling in the Franks was incredible. Like, absolutely amazing. But I think the start was quite boring, and I thought the ending was really weird, and that was kind of what the, let the, it down. There's a solid chunk in the middle. Yeah, it's a really the middle was fucking show. awesome. Like, yeah, if, 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 I, I, that's why I was thinking. Like, even though the start was a little bit slow, when it was getting into this middle content, I was thinking, "Wow, if they stick the landing on this, this is going to be a fucking amazing series." Overall. I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame the fact that A1 also helped make that show. Mm-hmm. So. What I'm looking forward to about BNA as well is because it's a 12 episode series it gets in and it gets out it doesn't it doesn't seem like it overstays its welcome from what kyle tells me it knows 
exactly what kind of show it it's wants super to be focused. and it executes yeah. on it. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate short, concise 12 episode series that begin and end because that is so rare yeah. in anime, I feel like. Yeah. It's always either 24 episodes or it's like, eh, maybe we'll adapt the whole story. Probably not. Go read the manga or read the light novel to get the endings. It's very rare you get something concise like that. Mm. All righty. Uh, just some other headlines that we won't spend too much time on, but are worth bringing up. So in relation to Netflix, uh, Card Captive Sakura is going to be on Netflix starring June 1st. And nice. I just recently finished the original series and the new series for this. I adored it. It is ahead of its time. It's hands down my favorite Magical Girl show. So if that's your shtick, definitely go check that's it great. out. Mm. Oh, yeah, you, you, you've seen it, Kyle. Yes, and I am trying to read through the manga, but yeah, it's it's also one of the few, I guess, like, clamp series where the, like, flowery style doesn't, like, make me want to kind of gouge my eyes out. Mm -hmm. it, um, it, it fits, yeah. and it, it's it, a very... It fits really well, yeah. It's a very grounded magical girl show, I will say. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's really nice, um, and the original anime is also, like, really solid just because it's such a product of its time. Exactly. And as also, none of us really follow the scene, but we would be remiss not to mention it given how big idols are in Japan. But the third Love Live series has been announced. The new characters oh have God. been shown and our editions are live. So if you live in Japan and are a 14 to 20 year old young woman that is unmarried, you can apply <laughs> to be the next biggest idol in Japan if you really wanted to. Is it I, I, I forget that they're still doing this. It's just way. Oh, I'm sorry, age is 15 to 22, not 14 to 22. Uh, there's just something very weird about the whole um, about auditioning process. Like you audition and then you become a pop star and you're promoted on an anime. It seems really weird to me. Like, I don't know. I find that strange. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's no different than a job interview to me, really. Uh, I guess. It all just seems a bit uh it's a bit i mean like entertainment is very streamlined in japan mm -hmm. mm. chasing that multi, those multimedia bucks yeah all right yeah none of us really follow love live though so i don't think we have much to say on that but it's it's but a big I, I deal kinda, i kind of do but i'm just well, no, i've, we I've watched the shows but that's all i have to say about that oh yeah <laughs> all right you guys ready for a game yes Alrighty, so I've got a Maybe. new game for you guys that is now evenly split because the previous two games, it was either favored towards Kyle or Harry. So okay. I tried real hard to craft the numbers game. And so yeah. here I have two things. And you have to tell me which one has the bigger number. Okay? Okay. All right, mm. here we go. Starting off with a very simple one. So... The number of episodes in the original Inuyasha anime or the number of episodes in the original Sailor Moon anime. Oh, Lord. Uh, that's probably Which one is Sailor higher? Moon. That's got to be Sailor I mean, Moon. I've never heard of Inuyasha, so <laughs> I'm going to go uh, with Kyle's answer and say Sailor Moon. <laughs> all right. You're both right. It is Sailor okay. Moon. So I, I accidentally gave away how many episodes Inuyasha had earlier, but Inuyasha has 167. Yeah, but I probably wasn't listening. <laughs> Sailor Moon has 200 episodes. Okay. And I definitely watched all 200 of those in high oh school. God. All right, moving on. So the number of episodes for the Chunin exams arc in Naruto versus the number of episodes in the Soul Society arc for Bleach. Which one was more? So I've not seen either, but from what I know, the Chunin exams is quite a significant part of Naruto, I think. They are both significant. Okay. Yes. I'm going to 
just take a complete guess and say Naruto. I'm going to guess it's Bleach. It is Naruto. Oh, so the, the tuning fuck? exams was episode 20 through 67 for a total of 47 episodes. The Soul Society arc for Bleach was episodes 21 through 63 for 42 episodes. I forgot how long big three shonen arcs are when I saw that. I'm like, holy shit, that's two whole <laughs> anime series. <laughs> yeah, it's, yep. All righty. Number three. The number of children at the Grace Field House in the Promised Neverland versus the number of students in Class 1A of My Hero Academia. I have recently watched The Promised Neverland and I have a lot of thoughts yes, on it. this is why I put this okay, in. Okay, uh, there are, I seem to remember there's quite a lot of students at the, at the house. It's like maybe a dozen and a half in UA, in Class 1A. Ah, I but feel that's, like there's got to be more that's actually, that's actually really difficult. I feel like it's more difficult because I've seen them both and I know about them both. I'm going to guess mm-hmm. The Promised Neverland. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. It's Class 1A, oh, so there are what? 13 children in the Grace uh, Field house, and there are 20 students in Class 1A. in that house? Yeah, only 13. What? We are both wrong. That's a lot smaller than I All expected. Right. This, this one is Harry Bait. So... I guess I guess Kyle Bait too. So the number of Zoan del- Devil Fruit or Zone Z O A N, uh, the number of Zoan Devil Fruit in One Piece that are known versus the number of Clo cards in Card Captor Sakura. Uh, okay, so obviously I don't mm. know about Card Captor Sakura, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, Zone Fruit. So like Devil Fruits for um. I think for there's years. actually more cards. So if, it's been a while. This is in One Piece. There's been quite a lot of Zone Fruits because the recent arc. Mm-hmm. With I, Rano, I don't know how many fruits. Varian, Varian. Uh, I got these numbers from the One Piece Wikipedia. Okay, so the, the, the <laughs> recent arc, they're in a land where it is mostly based around Zone Fruits. Um. So, but I don't know anything about Card Captor Sakura. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna go with One Piece because I love One Piece. Okay, uh, Kyle. Yeah, I don't know enough about the One Piece fruits. So I'm gonna go with Card Captor Sakura. <laughs> All right, it it is Card Captor. Oh, so there nice. are 44 known Zoan fruit in One Piece currently, and there are 53 clo cards for Sakura. Nice. See, only 52 if, if you don't. If count me and Kyle had probably consulted, one. we could have found the right answer together. I never said this was competitive. This, no, we're competing. <laughs> oh, we're competing. That's true. I hate you, Kyle. You should have clarified that. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, at, at first, when I had this idea, like, oh, cloak cards versus the number of devil fruit in One Piece, this is great. And then I went on the One Piece Wikipedia, I'm like, there's like hundreds of devil oh, fruit in One yeah, Piece. Yeah, I, yeah I, I got to narrow this down. So I just chose Zoan specifically to uh, wait, make what, it closer. Wait, what's a Zoan? So that, that's fruit. when you can transform into an animal. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. And the other ones is like paramidia or there's there's three oh, types. All, three yeah, types yeah, of so, so Loiga is when you're essentially like an element. So you could be like a, a, a like for, ace, for example, or like NL. Yeah, he's he's obviously lightning. Um, so he's like an element. Okay. Uh, paramisia, I can't remember how to say it, but uh, that's like Luffy's or any other kind of devil fruit. And then zone is when you turn into an animal. And now you know the facts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Can add that to your Tinder profile as a brag. (laughs) (laughs) Can name off all types of devil fruit in one piece. Oh, man. All righty, next up. Number of Bleach Soul Society divisions versus the number of Magic Knight divisions in Black Clover. Oh, so there are... How many many divisions are there in Black Clover? I'm going to have to think. 
for a second. Because there are 13 divisions. It was very difficult for me to come up with these that weren't the samey, but also you knew at least one half of the franchise. There's there's about eight or nine, roughly speaking. Okay, so there's probably more Soul Society divisions. Eight, nine, or ten. Like, I I can't remember them all offhand, but like, I can remember most of them. Okay, there's definitely 13 Okay, so there's probably more in Bleach then, yeah. You are correct. 13 nice. divisions uh-huh. in Bleach, and there are nine Magic Knights. Look what we, happens when we work together. We both together. got that right for you working together. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're working together will help you on this next okay. one. Um, so, the number of Gundam television series oh Lord. versus the number of Fate franchise TV, anime, and movies. That's actually a challenging one. So, Gundam's been around since the 70s. And I know that they're okay. So are you counting like? So I'm only counting TV like series for Gundam or build oh. fighters and stuff. Um, so I went on the Gundam Wikipedia and I only counted full anime series. There were anime specials and anime shorts. I did not count those. I only counted full anime series. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna guess Gundam because it's been around for so long. I I'd probably go Gundam, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if Fate had more yeah. just because it's kind of exploded in the past like seven to ten years. So we're going to go with Gundam though. All right. You are correct. It is Gundam TV series. It has a total of 21 full-fledged television series. Let's binge. Let's meanwhile, binge more. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, the Fate franchise across TV, anime, and movies has 16. However, it would have had 19 if uh, its recent movies didn't get delayed. <laughs> Due to COVID. Ah, but out right now is 16. Nice. Alrighty, next one. The number of examinees for the final selection in Demon Slayer. So that arc where Tanjiro officially becomes a Demon Slayer. Oh, that's like, there's like five of them. I'm no, sure. total examinees, not people who passed. Oh, totally. I see. Yeah. Uh, Versus the number of examinees and the Hunter exam of Hunter x Hunter. Oh, oh I have, see, I have, it's been a while. There's, so there's, there's a lot of people who go into the Hunter exam, I seem to remember. Um, that is a whole like full room that's quite busy when they're running down that corridor for ages. Um, oh, oh, like in like the very beginning, yeah, that's like dozens of them, isn't it? Yeah, there's lo- they all get like wiped out. Uh, we, yeah, because I think the first thing is like they have to run for ages down that corridor and it's really tiring. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I can't quite remember how many demon like budding demon slayers there are, but uh, I'm gonna guess Hunter, Hunter. I don't think it was that many. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah yeah Hunter x Hunter. We'll go with that. Okay, you are correct, but it was very small. So the number of ex- Demon Slayer Final Selection, 27. Hunter Exam, 29. Oh, what? It's actually very close. Oh, all right. Um, to be fair, though, for Demon Slayer, there wasn't an official number. What I did is I there was a screenshot that oh showed God. like the whole thing, and I just counted the number <laughs> of people there. So maybe there were more off screen. I don't know, but that's died. how I got the number. Yeah, all of them except... I was... It would have been a more concrete number if it was like passed or failed, but that would have been too obvious. Mm. So I'm like, oh, this is a little more abstract. Mm. All right, final one. The number of spells that Megami knows versus the number of spells that I know. What? <laughs> what? Is this like a trick question? Is it? I, what are you talking about? I, Who is Megami? I... <laughs> <laughs> who, so, who are you? Uh, Harry, Megumin <laughs> is a character from Konosuba, and she literally knows one spell, which is explosion. Oh, okay. Um, I, 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 watched a, here, I watched Megamind recently for the first time. Y- no, it is not Megamind. Have you seen Megamind? 
I've seen Megamind. It's really good, isn't Megamind it? Is a good, Megamind is a good It's movie. a really underrated oh. DreamWorks film. And I think it, it really deserves good. more attention. I, I, I liked it a lot. Megamind doesn't know any spells, though. Megamind doesn't know any spells. No, he's just very smart. Would you like to see a Megamind anime? I, you know what? That feels like it'd be like a pretty interesting... Because the whole thing is like a very interesting story and an interesting take on superheroes. So yeah, you that know what? Sure. Show, show make, we ignore make him, make we, him a fucking Make him a fucking hero academia Should we ignore Matt's question just talk about Megamind? Horikoshi? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Let's go with that. Yeah, what, like, what, what's, what's Megamind's quirk? Um... I mean, he's really intelligent. That's his thing. But then it, that's obviously I, very similar I feel to... Like you've got to make it like... like it, okay, so is there anybody in Hero Academia that's just like their thing is that they're hyper-intelligent? Nezzy, yeah, the, uh, the rat yeah. principal, yeah. Is that his thing? I thought it was because he was a rat. That was his quirk. No. no he's, it's, it's, have you not seen the, the final exams in season two where he's... Uh, he controlled like all the crane yeah. arms. Like, yeah, remotely. I remember that, but like, does it... Like, his quirk is high explicitly specs. say His quirk is... Oh, high, that, that's okay. literally yeah, what it high says. Spec. High spec, and that is that he's really, really smart. He predicts the move. He was able to predict the movements of all the students and like move the machines with to intercept them without actually seeing them. He's like, okay, if I do this, they're going to go over there. So I know if I move this oh. over there, they'll be. The I would pay. Yeah. So uh, him just being around. I would, I would pay like, a lot of money to see some sort of fight between Nezu and Megamind. I mean, that'd be amazing. So yeah, nice. But to answer your question, Matt, I. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with Megamine, <laughs> Megamine because Megamine. I think the, cr- the trick question here is that Matt does not know any spells. So, Are you sure about that? Yeah, just shut up. Are it's you sure Megamine. about that? It's Megamine. I am a podcast mancer, I'll have you know. Shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> to be fair, you, you could turn <laughs> right. and say you're some sort of like weird spiritual witch boy. Is like oh I've I've got some recent I've recently gotten into uh, spiritual stones and I rub them and it oh really connects me with with the earth spirit and uh, you could have gone so tell us how you really feel lock, about lockdowns really confused treatment. you <laughs> yeah when I was uh, younger and I um we had the family dog I would just spout nonsense at my dog when I pet her and my friend always joked it's like one day you're gonna chant like a fireball spell one day accidentally you're Blow gonna fry her you'd be like God. no. <laughs> That it's was quite, always quite a joke. All right, it's mega mean. That wraps up the game. Good, good you job at your collaborative you answer. You jackass! You'll never. You have. You'll oh just God, have right, to whatever. come visit me and find who, out. Who won? It was a collaborative effort. You no, all won. We're all won? big who friends. Won? Did Kyle win? I, I wasn't keeping won. score. You weren't keeping score. I won. I had fun. I had a terrible time. It was a collaborative effort. Because I don't know who won. That makes you a loser, then. Oh, me, he's got you there, Harry. So Kyle, Kyle is a winner then because he had oh, fun. No. There you go. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you know what's also supposed to be fun? Video games. Oh. And what would be really cool is if we could have our favorite video games as an anime as well. So in the past, we've talked about uh, anime that we'd love to see made into a video game or just purely how to make a good anime video game at all since those seem to be hard to come by. Uh, we're going to flip that around this episode. We're going to talk about uh, what games have we played that we would love to see made into an anime, brought into the 2D hand-drawn animation sphere world. And just to start this, we talked a lot about video games this podcast. We talked about Final Fantasy VII. We talked about Persona 5. With all that said, Kyle, what's something that you would love to just experience passively rather than actively putting in Metal tactile Gear. inputs? Metal Gear. Metal Solid. Gear. That's already an anime, I feel Wait, like, with how That's long its cutscenes are. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, 
So one of the things about the Metal Gear Solid series is that like it's it is very well done. It's a very cinematic experience, but I think it would be serviced a lot better if it had more dynamic cinematography. Because it's a lot of static shots, like a lot of them. And it was, uh, that was especially for the case for the games pre-PS3 era, correct? Everything before MGS2 or MGS4, basically? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so like one, two, and three are very like, here, we'll watch these people just talk on a bridge for like 20 fucking minutes. Have fun, jackass. Uh, so if yeah. so how would this metal gear solid anime work because as i know uh all the various metal gear games they all relate to each other but they also yeah, follow so various different people I, I think you can go with like a very short 12 episode series for each game um especially because like they're really like a lot of it is padded out by the like gameplay <clears throat> so if you were to just so say you take the, the first one right uh, that, that's a very simple story um that could even just be a movie um but really, it's just you infiltrating or Snake infiltrating Shadow Moses Island and you like trying to get through. Um, it, it's got a bunch of twists and turns that you can feasibly have fit in like one or two like small episode arcs. And what, what I would really like to see is to have those like big fights uh, just animated because they're they're very engaging in the moment. But like I'd really like to see some like very active uh, cinematography if he's like like so he's like fighting sniper wolf and like that that like sniper fight down the hallway he's like could be really intense if it's like drawn you know with that energy um so there, yeah there are a lot of different aspects about metal gear that i think would be elevated if it focused on the action so that that begs the question then because a lot of this is riding on the animation, it sounds like, how well they portray it. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would be the studio that you would put to the task for this? Like Dream Studio, like unrealistic Dream Studio would be Trigger, um, just because it also matches the tone of Metal Gear, which is campy and over the top. But somebody who could mm-hmm. like, or a studio that could pull it off like respectably could probably be Bones or Madhouse. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I would agree with that considering uh, what I know about because the only Metal Gear game I've played is uh, Ground Zero, which is hardly a game. <laughs> oh, the prequel to but, Five. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I played a, I played a little bit of Five, but I didn't finish. I it. played mm. a little bit of Ground Zero, and I found it really difficult, and I wasn't very good at it, so I put it down. And then I played the very start of Five, and I I got past the like the prologue, the little kind of when he's in hospital, and then I got into mm-hmm. the mod, and again I just found it really difficult, and I thought this isn't fun, and I stopped playing it. But I realized I probably didn't give it enough chance and I just need to learn the mechanics. That's, I haven't really played Vive. Ah, well, that's my only... Ex- <laughs> what so kind of Metal Gear we're, we're fan almost, are you? I'm not really. I just really <laughs> like the first one. But I, I was going to say, one of the All things right. I do know about Metal Gear is that the story is really confusing. Right, so that was yes. my next question. How, how would, you, would you make any changes to uh, facilitate that for the viewer? Or do you think... Like just going from game one all the way up to game five chronological do it. Would you rearrange the order in some I way? I think if anything, if it were adapted into an anime by nature of having to trim down like several dozens of hours of gameplay, trimming it down would probably make it a lot easier to follow. It's just because this narrative is... Kyle, Kyle, there what? are three to four characters with Snake in their name. Okay, so that's not that confusing. That, that really okay. isn't that confusing. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> No, it's yeah. There's liquid solid, um, solidus, in the naked snake. Yeah, and those are all in four the- different. Yeah. 
Okay, well, naked snake solid is in boss. the naked snake. Just, yeah, so just solid... take that sentence out of context for a moment. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Kojima was very well aware of what that all sounded like, but they're all very distinct characters. And mm-hmm. if you follow along with the story, it's not hard to follow along. It's, it's not that it's con. It's not that it's like hard to follow. It's just very convoluted. Um, in the sense where it feels like, did you ever, have you ever played like badass or superhero? No. So it's, it, it's this game where you like try to like come up with fictional characters that could one up each other. Um, and you have to like justify. Oh, it's a, like, it's imaginary game, not a real game. It's no, it's an imaginary game. Yeah. So like, so, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, I think I've played something along those lines. Then, yeah. Here's Magneto. Give me a superhero that could beat him. And then you go to a superhero that would be that person. Uh, and that's what Metal Gear's story is kind of like. It's just one extended game of badass where you're just constantly improvising, oh, they beat them because X and Y. And so you said that by trimming out the gameplay portions... Yeah, by, could, by trimming uh, it down and like yeah. keeping the self-indulgent cinem, uh, cinematics to you know just an actual like show that has to keep pace, yeah, it's probably... It, it, if anything, yeah, it'd be easier to follow. Right. So how would you, uh, I, I'm not familiar with all the various gameplay mechanics of Metal Gear, of all the games, but uh, to be not necessarily a faithful adaptation, but a, a respectful adaptation, there has to be some sort of nods to the gameplay elements as well. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. How, how would you incorporate those into the show? <laughs> well, what's nice is that like a lot of the gameplay is very much cinematic. Um, and you know, to, to keep on topic, we've brought it up a few times before, but The Promised Neverland... Um, is a very good example of what I'd say is like stealth done really well in a show and sneaking around. Mm. Um, and you can get that, like that, that show has proven that you can get that kind of intense action um, with like nothing really happening. If you have somebody who knows how to pace, like who knows how to pace the story and pace the beats of a scene and like showcase how tense a moment is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Promise Neverland is amazing. Like I have so many thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it's it's important. Uh, there are many ways to do stealth and how to hide, and there a lot of people tend to think of it as in like you have to be actually proficient at it. But you can make an engaging sequence with someone that's not so proficient with it, mm-hmm. and still it's just you have to be, like you have to establish the stakes. Um, and right. what is like ground, like w- what you are setting as like realistic for okay. that character. Okay. But the most important question for this, Kyle, is what is the scene when the cardboard box makes an appearance? Oh, it's just, it'll probably play like the scene little, out for me. It'll, it'll just be a little, oh, you want me to like make it right now? Well, whatever. Draw, He's like, sound out, make, 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 make my storyboard right now. Okay. So <laughs> Snake's probably like sneaking in. Um, and then he has to like, uh, and whatever, there's boxes everywhere. It's like a, it's, 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 it's like a manufacturing facility. He can find, you, you can sneak it in anywhere. So say he, he shows up in the hangar, right? That's where he, um, gets into first after like scuba diving in. Uh, and <laughs> he's like sneaking around the corner. Uh, he gets up in the storage closet, but then there's this like group of guards down the hallway and obviously like he can't just go on his own. So he goes in a little box and he creeps around and then the guards down the hallway, like hear something and he just plops down. It's like, Oh, what? That box wasn't there before. And then they like come up to it. They like get super close or about to lift it up. Uh, but then snake like just minutes before had like set an explosive in like another room. So that goes off and they run away 
to investigate. Right. And there you go. I dig it. There you yeah. go. That that's yeah. a little that's the little nod. Yeah. That's a little cherry on top that the series needs. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, wanna, I I approve. No, no, I just want a Metal Gear Solid anime. <laughs> I approve. I give the green light. I give you permission to find funding for this now. All right, Kojima, hit me up. What's up? <laughs> um, don't forget. But, don't forget te- uh, Tecmo Koei. <laughs> Gotta um, get their permission. Yeah. Oh no, Konami. Yeah, they still have. Oh, come Ka- on, Ka- Konami. Yeah. Yes. Oh, whatever. We can make like a weird spinoff or like. Uh, like kind of like how bloodstained isn't really castlevania but you know <laughs> yeah we can make a uh, copper gear solid hey there you go copper geared liquid whatever yeah that's fine it works, out. It works out it works all right out. solid harry morris hello what is your dream game uh, I, I anime even, adaptation i said this in a previous episode but i've always wanted to see a mortal kombat anime uh i'm a huge mortal kombat oh my fan. god that'd oh, be yes. Fantastic. Yeah, I think for years and years, whenever you had video games that were very much like, oh, we could do a, a kind of a film or a serious adaptation of this, the default is an American live action version, a Hollywood version. But unfortunately, to, uh, there's this default kind of like, oh, it needs to be. How about that One Punch Man live uh, action is coming out? They're doing a, they're doing a Your Name live action as well. It's so frustrating because. It was although Harry, oh, yeah. Harry, out of curiosity, how do you feel about the '90s Mortal Kombat movie? So I think I saw it years ago, and um, I seem to remember that, it, that it's like as a kind of really dumb B movie piece of goofiness. It's entertaining, yes. but mm-hmm. it's not an accurate representation of Mortal Kombat. That's a, that's very. Fair. Do you know what I mean? That's it it is like for yeah. what it is. I mean, I did stupid, like it as a dumb B, a movie. stupid, campy, goofy B movie. Then it's fine. But obviously, if we're talking about a fantastic 10 out of 10, great interpretation of source material, I don't think you can do that with this sort of like 12 to 15 rated live action, Americanized like pile of Hollywood garbage. And this, again, my point earlier about anime really showing the kind of like the alternative entertainment when it comes to like media actually has a place and it can work. It's like, yeah, years ago, you couldn't have said, oh, we're going to do a very violent Mortal Kombat animation. Whereas now you could say that. And you could say, like, well, mm. we're going to explore this now. And it's a perfectly legitimate thing. And yeah, like whereas, if you look at the Castlevania show, like yeah. that's very brutal. Whereas years ago, mm. it's just like, oh, we're doing a, a film adaptation of Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay, so we'll get the typical Hollywood studios and the typical Hollywood actors and the typical Hollywood default mold to do it. And it, it's going to be totally watered down, totally, like, just as as bland and as uh spiral so, as possible from what i know about the mortal Kombat just universe and story is it is very campy but it takes itself very seriously yeah. I, I see I, i've never been like a fan of the story because it is very campy and stupid and it takes itself way too seriously but mm. um i feel like in some ways it could maybe justify itself more if it was actually expressed in a proper like lengthy story medium if that makes sense right so, so walk me through this then. How, what shape will this anime take? What is, how is the story presented? Are we following one protagonist? Are we following Scorpio? Are we Scorpion. bouncing between a bunch of characters? No, it's Scorpion. Scorpion that's, yeah. it's, it's Scorpion. <laughs> and, and subs. I know more uh, Scorpio combat. and subs. How, how, how do we go about telling this story in your mind? It's a difficult one. Cause I mean, I think like playing it simple and going to like just, just telling this story of the, the first game being this Mortal Kombat tournament against Shang Tsung and almost tell it as, I'd almost do like a really sort of typical shonen style tournament arc, but where you're exploring the Mortal Kombat tournament, but where also it's very violent and it's very kind of uh, 
intense. I'd even be tempted to like feature, I know this might sound weird, this might sound controversial, but I'd even be say, tempted to say have different characters that aren't even in the games. Base it around completely new characters and this completely new Mortal Kombat tournament because if you do that, all of a sudden, you can do anything you want with them narratively and you can actually build really interesting character relationships and build really interesting sort of stakes and you can also kill them off in this violent Mortal Kombat tournament. Right, And have real sex words. You can't really do that if you've got Liu Kang and Raiden and Scorpion and Sub-Zero because they're all kind of preset characters with preset stories that you can only do so much with. You can just make it an alternate dimension. An alternate reality, an alternate (laughs) version of Mortal Kombat. And it is still Mortal Kombat. You might have some Mortal Kombat characters in it, but you'd have predominantly Mm. brand new characters. And I think this could work. So it was in uh, Mortal Kombat X, for example, they introduced, like, the kids of a lot of these uh, older characters. So, like, um, Jax had a daughter. Johnny Cage and Sonny Blade had a daughter. So they introduced these kind of, like, this new generation of Mortal Kombat fighters. Which shows that like they can do that. They can bring in new characters. It could be descendants of these older characters. It could be uh, alternate versions, like characters from an alternate reality. But I think if they were like quite bold and daring with it, and also really committed to the visual sort of side of the original games being the violence and the, the kind of aesthetics, I think it could be really interesting. But that's the sort of thing you'd never get mm. in a typical Hollywood mm. movie. You'd have to be so- more daring with it. So um, the same kind of question I posed to Kyle, this is also a very important question for a Mortal Kombat adaptation. Mm. Draw me your storyboard for the scene that somehow encapsulates the spirit of finish him. Oh, uh, I guess, I guess the thing that would really cement it, because I, I think what the Mortal Kombat story always lacks, and what I think a lot of video game stories lack, is actual drama between characters. This is not the direction I thought this <laughs> okay. answer would go, but continue. So I think uh, the reason why a lot of video game stories don't work for me is that they always lack real character building and real character drama. It always feels mm-hmm. like, oh, it's the war between heaven and hell and this is happening and that's happening. And it's all just kind of like story-related fluff, but without any proper character anchoring points. So I'd want this whole series to be like a really good character drama, but in this Mortal Kombat world, it's very violent. And I think the moment that would really encapsulate that is almost going a bit Game of Thronesy and having a key character getting fatalityed mm. in some sort of uh, fight against the big baddie, whether it's Shang Tsung or whether it's someone else. Um, seeing a main character get killed off brutally by the antagonist in Mortal Kombat would sort of cement this drama, cement these real stakes of like, this is a Game of Thrones-esque thing where anyone can die, any character, no matter how important or loved they are, can be killed off in the Mortal Kombat tournament in a very But Harry, if, if we don't have the faceless narrator shout, finish him, <laughs> then it's not a fatality. How do we get the finish him in there? Um, I think typically it's implied that Shao Kahn shouts that, who's like one of the main baddies in Mortal Kombat. So yeah, mm-hmm. you'd have that. You'd have whoever is like the, the uh, ruler of the Mortal Kombat tournament, they would shout it. Yeah, but again, like I, I wouldn't be opposed to just like a background narrator that's completely unnamed shouting it, and almost with it going in a sort of silly video gamey direction, just at like times a, like that. Yeah, because like a fourth wall breaker, a f- sort of. Yeah, a fourth bit. wall breaker, which again could probably work in an anime, but not in a more commercial mainstream film. I, I think mm-hmm. this kind of weirdness would really work, but it has to be in a medium that can embrace that weirdness and embrace that more eccentric style of uh, storytelling. Um. My other thing, my other answer I wanted to say 
I don't have as many thoughts on this one, but I think a Resident Evil anime of some sort would work. The only reason I'm saying that, though, is because I thought The Promised Neverland was so good in some of its horror themes, and I want to see more horror anime that are really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's like what I'm really... Resident Evil could definitely... I, I've, I've that. good work, yeah. I, I would like more... I mean, going off of that, like I would like more horror shows that are focused on the ambiance. Um, which Promise Neverland does really well. It's like just mm-hmm. being there in that house, like you feel fucking terrified. That's what's really good. Like yeah. there's there's no jump scares. There's no like uh, typical monster scares or, or like violence. It's not like that. It's just the atmosphere. It's just so discomforting. And I think that's really, really cool. All right. Final question uh, before we move on. So studio, which studio would you want oh. for your... Mortal Kombat and uh, Resident Evil anime. Uh, I'm not too sure about the Resident Evil one, but I think for Mortal Kombat, uh, given how incredible Demon Slayer looked, I'd have to say like Ufo Table, just because mm. that looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, I I love Trigger. I've always loved Trigger's animation style. Uh, Trigger doing gore. Huh? I mean, yeah, that, oh. that, would, that would be quite incredible I to see. I feel like you, w- you wouldn't see as much blood, but you definitely see a lot of limbs flying. Uh, yeah, I think Trigger doing gore and that sort of thing would be really interesting to see. So yeah, I'd, I'd say Trigger. A, a crazy I, original You feel Mortal does get pretty anime. gory though. Yeah, yeah, I would also add in a Wit Studio, uh, animators for Attack on Titan. Ah, oh yeah, yeah, that could work, yeah. Yeah, yeah because Bones? they... What? I think that was Bones. Attack on Titan is Wit Studio. Oh, it's. I thought you were saying which studio. I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I clearly don't know what studio it was then. <laughs> yeah, what studio also did uh, Cop- Carbonary Iron Fortress. And uh, what was the other one they recently. Oh, they did Vinland Saga. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think what studio would also yeah. be very good. What, what would you All want? Right, for, like, what's your answer? Exactly. So, yeah. I, I have two answers. I won't talk about the first one too much because neither of you have played the series. Uh, so. The Trails of series. Exactly, yes. So (laughs) Trails of the Sky, Trails from Zero, Trails of Azure, Trails of Cold Steel. What I absolutely adore about this game series that is now nine games big is that, especially nowadays, you rarely see direct sequels for video games. It's very rare you get a sequel to a game that's like, you have to have played the first game. Otherwise, you cannot play this one. You will be completely and utterly lost. You have no idea what's going on. I think we're starting to see a sort of resurgence with that now with uh, God of War, which is implied that the next game will be a direct sequel. Obviously, this Final Fantasy VII remake, those are direct sequels. But those are the only two examples I can think Mm. of. Uh, These Trails games are nine games big, and they all take place in the same continent, uh, the same time period within like four or five years of each other. Um, and used a lot of the same groups and characters. And the amount of politics and world building that gets done in this game is absolutely mind-boggling what they are capable of. Just the way that characters will mention other characters or groups, and you'll file that into the back of your mind, and then you'll encounter them later on in a different game and think back to that moment like, oh, this is why that was important. I understand now. And it all loops together in a beautiful way. And you create this, this... mesmerizingly detailed uh intriguing story because of that that takes place across all of these games that you don't get quite in any of their game series uh i'm hesitant for an anime however because a lot of that world building comes from the npcs in the series every single npc in these games are named and they all go about their daily lives um while the game happens so you can go talk to them and they'll have something new to say every single time you talk to them 
and what Elias Carey is a shonen that's hundreds of episodes long, where every single it's actually can be fleshed out. Actually, that's almost where I was going yeah. for. Not quite a shonen, but like you, we, because that kind of uh, detail to the NPCs is what plays into the world building and what makes you care about the world when shit goes wrong. Because when shit goes wrong, you don't just care about your core party members; you care about everyone they've encountered throughout all the games. Mm. You need that um, time to kind of flesh it out. And that kind of 200 episode long, super big three length would be dream match show. And I'm pretty sure I would be the only one to watch it <laughs> because all those little t- smaller moments, I'm pretty sure would be boring for a lot of other people. But that's what I had to say on trails. Uh, it, my, my studio for that one would be PA works, I think, because they are very good at uh, letting their settings talk for them. Their settings are just as much of the character as the characters themselves. And I think that would be very important for a Trails game. And they can also make some good uh, action sequences when they want to. Mm. My other game that I think we can actually have a discussion on is The Witcher series, Mm. which is a little bit cheating because I know there was just the Netflix series that came out, which I haven't seen, but I've heard it's good. Have either of you seen the Netflix series by chance? Uh, my, My friend is a huge Witcher fan. Like, she's really, really into it. She said she liked the Netflix series, but apparently it's very like closely modeled on the books. So if you're like a huge fan, of, oh yeah, that's right. If you're like a huge okay. fan of the books yeah. and stuff, then like you can get a lot of enjoyment from that. What I do respect is that I think initially they were going to do like just a movie, and I think it was one of the directors or one of the writers or someone actually read the source material and played the games and said, "We can't do this as a movie. It's too long. We need to do a proper series of this." And that's how they came on that. So I really like that someone on the team actually had the passion to think, instead of like, oh, we'll just cash in a typical shit Netflix movie. Let's actually look at the source material and make a proper artistic decision on how to do this well. Um, so mm-hmm. even if it, like even if it isn't phenomenal, let's say, I can still respect that after doing, say, like the Death Note movie, this is clearly <laughs> a step up. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, there's room for improvement mm-hmm. then, is the point. So... What how I envision the Witcher anime happening is I am in the extreme minority camp where I, I've enjoyed all three Witcher games. I've loved all three Witcher games, but my favorite Witcher game is actually the first one, which is janky as all hell. <laughs> uh, and I, I enjoy the first game the most, however, because that was the game where I felt most like a Witcher because uh, what they really drive home in that series is how preparation is important for the Witcher. No knowing what they're going to fight and preparing for that fight is just as important as the fight itself. And that was really emphasized in the gameplay of the first game, uh, having to craft the potions and drink the potions beforehand, apply the correct sword coatings so that you do extra damage and so on and so forth. Whereas uh, the more recent two games, that can all be done on the fly in the middle of a battle. You can adapt to the battle on the fly like a lot of other games. There's not a whole lot of preparation aspect to it. So the way I envision the anime happening is sort of arc-based. Uh, where you have three to four episodes that's dedicated to a specific monster hunt. And so it could be Geralt. It could not be. It could be a different Witcher. I'm not sure. But the first few episodes is dedicated to preparation, scoping out the monster, its lair, learning out, learning its uh, its habits and capabilities, and then also preparing for it. So going out and gathering the uh, right information, what potions to make, making the right uh, weapons and sheaths and so on and so forth. And then you have this big epic encounter with the monster that feels like a cathartic release Mm. because you're just beating Mm. the absolute living daylights out of it because 
uh, you came prepared. And that's how I envision this uh, show happening. Meanwhile, you can have the overarching political machinations that The Witcher is known for because uh, these are always contract-based. And so you can get little bits and pieces of info of the greater story through uh, your contract, your employers, uh, through the various shops you go and interact with, your uh, information brokers. I feel like that's a very organic way of telling this story. My dream studio for this one, I think, would also be Wit Studio because after seeing Vinland Saga, they have demonstrated just how adept they are at animating uh, medieval-looking settings, and uh, which is very much that. You, you can definitely feel... Uh, what, what Studio is good, great about in Vinland Saga was making you grateful that you didn't live in that time <laughs> period. <laughs> And so I think having that feel is very important for The Witcher as well, because The Witcher universe would also be really shitty to live in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really that's a really important aspect to get across. That's cool, yeah. Well, maybe we'd see more. Maybe. maybe instead of just seeing like live action remakes all the time, we will see more crossover into anime. We can only hope. I would like that. Have, have either of you played Witcher games before? I've got the third one currently downloaded, and I'm looking forward to playing it. My ex like used to play it loads, and I'd watch her, so... I I know about The Witcher 3 quite a bit, but I've not played it yet myself. I've played a few hours of each of them. Um, uh, and I would say, like, tone-wise, I definitely like the first one a lot. It's just really rough. Oh, yeah. It's a very, very uh, crusty game. Yeah, but I, I, but I like also- how it's like Geralt does feel powerful, like, compared to everybody else, but he still, like, gets bruised and bloody in a fight. Right, exactly. And recovery in that game was not easy either like it wasn't it wasn't like a lot of mo- modern rpgs where it's just like oh you got hurt drink a potion you recover some health it's just like no like you will stay hurt until you go and rest mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. no real way to recover health when you're in the middle of a fight like that's how it would normally be i feel like so that i i really want to see that i need to go find funding for that harry needs to go find funding for his uh, mortal Kombat movie <laughs> not movie uh, anime and then we can all Make the world a better place <laughs> with better anime. That's the whole Ideally. reason for this podcast. Mm. Perfect. All righty. I think that brings us to a wrap then. Unless you guys got any final words you want to say about your dream projects? Uh, no. What I want to say is uh, I'm currently working on an article about The Promised Neverland because I've mentioned it a few times mm-hmm. in this episode, uh, exploring certain like vegan themes in it because obviously that's a really popular topic of conversation and, and people love talking about that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm currently working on an article for that. And uh, maybe in a future episode, we'll be able to discuss it. I don't know. It depends. But And where can we find that uh, article once we it goes can up? Fe- we can fiend that. I mean, we can find that fiend. on Goomba Stomp, <laughs> which, is, which is, of course, the website we host this podcast on, Goomba Stomp. So uh, it? it is. In, well, we don't host it on there, but it's, it's connected. I was thought I thought it was the stomping of Goombas. What? What? <laughs> nothing move on what? carry on um so so yeah so like check us out on goomstomp but uh that's the plan like i'm gonna write that and i'll put it up at some point so exciting times all right and where can we find you on twitter i'm harry underscore morris underscore and uh and do you want to give us a music recommendation oh fuck i've i've, I've not thought <laughs> about any music recommendations for today uh all right oh, we can we can move on okay, to kyle I'll, and I'll then i'll circle back, back to you to not off the yeah. hook yet all right kyle you find out where. What? <laughs> like the Rogue on Twitter. Um, and I'm also on Goobastop, though I haven't really written anything in quite a while because I have been very busy with life and work. 
but manga, what, what, I haven't, what have I been reading? Um, oh, you, you should look into a little series called Mizore-chan, which is about a snow woman uh, who, it, it's a slice of life about a snow woman who uh, bonds with this uh, family in the middle of like rural Japan in the middle of summer. And the whole series is like about trying to figure out ways for her to adventure out in the sunlight and not having her melt. And it's very cute. <laughs> it's great. What about, um, are there, so you're coming up at the end of persona five. Are there any games on your radar as well? Coming up on the horizon? Oh God. Um, my degenerate mind is very much uh interested in soccer wars oh yeah i i was excited for that at first but then because i played the the one game that came out in the u.s mm-hmm. and what i really liked about it was the combat oh and yeah so when a, i heard when the combat was yeah when i heard it was gutted in this game i kind of lost interest even though i hear the visual novel aspects are really good but mm-hmm. it's not what i want to get it for so all right harry we're back to you got an answer uh, for us okay so what i have been listening to a bit recently is selections of persona 5 scrambles soundtrack oh and it is very i want to go into that some blind of, i don't want to listen to the songs it. are so fucking good so like mm. I've, I've not listened to the whole thing because often it's obviously like really long but there's a few songs that i've heard that are just so good because it, it's the same uh it's the same vocalist who like does all the persona 5 stuff yeah. I, I can't remember her mm. name but she's amazing lynn inazurimi well, that is her name and she's awesome and um uh let me wait let me go to itunes really quickly and have a look there's a particular song <laughs> while you're doing that absolutely like i cannot sucks. wait for persona 5 scramble localized like it's probably delayed, like everything is nowadays, and I, we probably won't I was, hear about it for a while. I was looking up some gameplay footage, um, and so I've been studying Japanese in, like, my free time, and I was pleasantly surprised that I could, like, parse out, like, 60% of the dialogue. It's yeah. just, I don't know if I'd want to spend all the time just, I mean, you said, like, that was kind of your experience, but it's like you had to, like, exactly, look up vocab. Yeah. Well, I didn't have to look up vocab when I was playing the demo. Like, I, I knew enough to where I could get through it pretty oh, okay, easily, okay. but... At the same time, knowing the how complicated Persona gets, like the inner psyche of humans mm. with really technical terms, yeah, I, I imagine it would start to get real difficult to follow along with the story at one point, and that's not that's not the kind of stress I'm, I want in my Persona experience. Yeah, I completely get that. I'm really excited for it, and uh, listen to a song called Counter Strike from the game. It, Counter Strike, fucking, okay. I'll, I'll listen it's to a, this, it's a that boss song. song. It absolutely slaps. It is very good. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm All very right. excited for I'll it. save the rest as a surprise. <laughs> Alrighty. And you can find me at Musing Mojak, M-U-S-I-N-G, M-O-J-A-C-K. As Harry said before, our p- lovely podcast is hosted on the lovely website, Goomba Stomp, where you can find anime, video games, movies, wrestling. Uh, what was the new one? Anime wrestling. Me, toys? Rest- toys. Oh, toys. Anime wrestling. Yeah. Sex toys. Uh, we do any- sex toy reviews. <laughs> Sex toy we're still looking for an editor for that section. That's all It's solely a sex toy review site. Nice. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we covered the R18 tags on Pokemon. Yeah, that's, that's how it all wraps Pikachu together. Pikachu fleshlights. Oh nice. my goodness. This is the note we're going to end the podcast <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah, it's, this is going to be the note we're going to end the podcast on. All right. I'm going to end the podcast on by recommending, uh, we talked about it earlier, but Card Captor Sakura. Uh, even if you're not a huge fan of Magical Girl shows, I think this is definitely a show worth watching. It's it's literally what magi- like other Magical Girl shows have like been based off of. No, I, I'm not even sure if I can say that because after finishing it, I'm surprised that 
there hasn't been a show that's kind of replicated it. It's the only Magical Girl show that I can think of where the characters feel like normal people. Right, no, well, well <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, is that a lot of Magical Girl shows that like, go for like the kind of, like the look and feel that both that oh, and right, Sailor yeah. Moon did, but not necessarily to the same depth that Sakura, right. uh, character to Sakura did. Yeah, and not to mention just a lot of its uh, worldviews is really ahead of its time as well mm. in terms of uh, just LGBT, LGBT uh, views as well. There's, uh, yeah, but go check it out. It's an absolute delight. Probably don't check out the dub. That was painful. <laughs> Wouldn't was recommend. <laughs> And uh, yeah, with that, we will see you next time. Ciao.